You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. The toughest expenses in our budgets are the unpredictable ones. You can't simply put the money aside and plan for them because it's never the same amount. Now, more and more these days, everyday items can feel that way. But utilities always are that way because there's simply no way to use the same amount of electricity, water, or heat in a given month. Never mind that climate change now means you can't even say with certainty that January will be colder than March or November. So if you can't predict the total, what can you do in your own home to keep your heating bills as low as possible? That's this week on In This Economy. Hi, Jordan. I'm absolutely loving the new show. Uh, Something I would be thrilled to have you explore is how do I heat my home in this economy? The voice you're hearing belongs to Joe. He's the lead producer of our other show, The Big Story. Joe is reading an email on behalf of a listener named Matt, who lives in Nova Scotia. Matt wrote to us explaining that he is struggling to keep up with the cost of heating his home. He's got a lot of questions. What am I and others likely doing wrong with our furnace, heat pump, wood stove, baseboard, all that stuff that's making our homes less efficient? Is it just as simple as opening my blinds during the day and closing them at night? And uh, what I'm also wondering is uh, how bad is it for me to use something like a heat dish or a space heater? But at the end of the day, what Matt really wants to know is this. Should I just be accepting that Wearing a winter coat indoors is appropriate in this economy. The era of climate change may have given us more inconsistent winter temperatures, but it's still Canada, it's still cold, and our heating bills remain hot. According to Natural Resources Canada, in 2021, space heating cost the average Canadian homeowner more than 1100 bucks a year. That's more than half of the amount people spend on energy. And those bills have been on the rise. Last winter, Yahoo Finance conducted a cross-country survey that found nearly three-quarters of Canadians reporting higher energy consumption costs. Matt's one of them, I'm one of them. If you're listening to this, you probably are too. In fact, many people across Canada have taken or have seriously considered more drastic measures to stay warm. Last October, a Statistics Canada survey on energy use revealed that one in seven Canadians had spent money they otherwise would have used for things like food and medicine to keep their heat on. Meanwhile, one in 10 households reported they had been late or unable to pay their energy bills in the past year due to higher energy prices. Now listen, if you're like me, You know that your heating bills get higher in the winter months, but the fluctuations over those months are largely a mystery. Was it just extra cold outside? Did someone leave a window open for a while? Did we just forget to turn the thermostat down at night? Who knows, but this month, it's more. Whether you have a furnace, a boiler, a heat pump, or something else entirely that keeps you warm, very few of us actually know why our heating and cooling systems cost as much money as they do. 
and whether or not we can do anything to make them run more efficiently. But thankfully, we found somebody who does. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings, and you're listening to In This Economy. This is the show where we help you understand the systems that create our money problems. We tackle everything from marriage to grocery bills to credit card debt, mortgage rates, and the climbing costs to heat your home in the winter and cool it in the summer. Now, in each episode of this show, you'll hear from a listener like Matt who faces a financial challenge, and we'll go to an expert who knows that area of the economy well enough, not only to explain why it happens that way, but to offer us, if not perfect solutions, then adjustments or tips and ways to work towards what we're aiming for, even in this economy. While most homeowners and renters have no control over natural gas prices or electricity rates, there are ways to lower heating costs. If you find that the air in the house is stuffy, sometimes that could indicate that there's not adequate air exchange happening. That means the house has been sealed too tight. Then maybe you should maybe look at getting an energy audit done so that the numbers can actually tell whether or not the house requires mechanical ventilation to bring in some fresh air. This is Violet Copperson. She is a registered home energy advisor at Windfall Ecology Centre in Aurora, Ontario. Violet's job is to help you pay less to heat and cool your home, and she regularly conducts what are called home energy audits. So that's a process where an energy advisor learns more about the home in terms of you know, what kind of insulation level it has, what kind of heating and cooling equipment and hot water heater it has. They also come equipped with uh, what we call a blower door, and that measures how many air changes takes place in the house. And all that information with proprietary software from Natural Resources Canada, one can pinpoint where in the home loses energy the most and what also uses the most energy in the home. And then through that process, an energy advisor can also recommend certain upgrades for the house to make it more energy efficient. It also has reports that gets generated and sent to the homeowner where it can be used as guidelines, you know, what kind of upgrades to do first and so forth. When you do those things, because I realize we can't speak to uh, everyone's situation individually, but what are some of the things you typically find that are causing people to, I guess maybe how is the best way to put it, not get the results of the heat that they're paying for? Does that make sense? Yeah. So a few things in homes that loses heat. So let's imagine, let's say in the winter right now, and then you go out there in just your t-shirt and shorts, you'll be super cold. So you need to wear winter clothing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, same goes with homes. Some older homes are not as well insulated as homes these days. And then, of course, the older homes would lose more energy or the occupants inside those homes would feel the cold more than ones inside newer built houses. 
but that doesn't mean that the older homes cannot be improved to be just as well insulated or even better than some new homes. So insulation is one thing. What else is on the table in terms of common causes for uh, homes feeling cold, even when you know the heat's at a level that you think is uh, should be stable for you and is also pretty expensive? So if the heating system is not sized right to heat the home, it may not be able to deliver the same temperature throughout the house. Sometimes not just insulation, but the quality of windows themselves. Lower efficiency windows it can't insulate as well as higher efficiency windows. Drafts in a home can also be a huge contributor to comfort and energy loss. Sometimes it's not just one particular thing, but a number of those things Right. together that can contribute to comfort and energy gain and loss in a house. Do homes usually have, and when I say homes here, I guess I can also be referring to, you know, apartments and condos, but yeah. do homes typically have the right heat source for them? And I ask this question because I'm sure uh, there are a ton of people right now who have been hearing about heat pump rebates and should I get one? Um Lots of people have older furnaces, which I guess are more expensive, but might uh, work better. Like, how do you determine what's right for your home? Now, whatever the energy source is for heating the home, first off, the key is to make sure there's adequate insulation to be able to keep the heat in better. Right. But a lot of times to improve a building envelope is a huge endeavor. Because in some homes, that may mean gutting a house down to the studs right. and adding insulation to them. There are simpler applications where some homes built in such a way they are not solid masonry, but they are framed houses whereby there is actually an empty cavity that they can fill quite easily with insulation. Uh, some homes are insulated, but insulation can also be added from the exterior, from the outside of the house, and then have it recladded. That can also be done. However, it's a huge endeavor. It's yeah. And not expensive. cheap, I imagine. No, it's not cheap. And a lot of people just cannot afford to do that. And on top of that, most houses or where people are complaining that it's time to do something, then typically the low, lower hanging fruit is a heating and cooling system replacement hmm. because it can be done quite easily and very quickly. And the return on investment is quite high and quite fast. Is that a heat pump that you're talking about or other options? Yes, it's a heat pump. In case you're unfamiliar, heat pumps can both heat and cool a home, replacing both your furnace and potentially your air conditioner. They are generally more efficient than gas furnaces but that efficiency may be affected by truly frigid temperatures. So take that into consideration if you're in some of Canada's coldest spots. Back to Violet. There are different types of heat pumps available, standard or cold climate. Cold climate ones can function down to minus 25 Celsius outdoor temperature. The more expensive ones can function down to minus 
30 Celsius. Hmm. So it captures available heat from the air outside and it transfers to inside the home. What kind of cost are we typically talking about for the average, I don't know, semi-detached house or whatever that wants to switch from a, a furnace air conditioner to a heat pump? Now, if you're talking about just the heat pump alone, it can go from 7000 to $14,000. Hmm. But sometimes it also involves replacing the furnace. So it's the entire system. And that can run anywhere between ten and $22,000 for the average size home. Wow. Yes. There are rebates involved, but that's still really expensive. Yes. But if you compare replacing the entire system with a heat pump against the traditional furnace and air conditioner, it's really not much different after rebates. Just one more quick sidebar. Yes, I am aware that is a lot of money and I can't afford to do this either right now. But the rebates are substantial. The federal government has recently offered to cover up to $10,000 towards home efficiency upgrades. And that's on top of helping you cover the cost of getting a home energy audit like the ones Violet conducts. Okay, for real now, back to Violet. You know, you'll be looking at around 250% efficiency compared to 100% efficiency from traditional electric furnace. It's huge. In the long run, how much money can that save? And like if somebody's listening right now and trying to do in their head, you know, the cost-benefit analysis, you mentioned it can cost, you know, ten dollars to $20,000 to do this whole retrofitting. But, but how much money are we talking about, you know, especially during the winter months, uh, the difference between those efficiencies? There was a study done. So for the average home, if you're going from electricity, like 100% electric resistance to a heat pump, you're talking about a 50% reduction in cost okay. based on today's prices. Oil, similar. And propane, around 45 to 48%. So quite significant difference. On top of that is also less emissions going from whatever you currently have to a heat pump for heating and cooling. If somebody's listening to this now and they're hearing, you know, how much that'll cost and like, well, there's, there's no way I can do that. There's no way I can take my home down to the studs and add insulation. What are some of the behaviors or some of the things that people do uh, that can contribute to having a poorly heated home or a well-heated home or even just the cost uh, in general of heat and energy? So if you're not home, let's say for a number of hours, the key is to turn down the temperature in the house by just a couple of degrees, not too much, so that the heating system isn't running consistently to heat the home, <laughs> to heat the belongings in the home and not the occupants. That can actually help you save a few dollars. When you go to bed at night, turn down your thermostat by, you know, one and a half, two degrees because you're under blankets, so you're warm uncomfortable, and then have it programmed to come back on again just about half an hour or so before you are ready to wake up so that when you do get out of bed, the air is warm enough for you. That would actually help. And we do the reverse in the summer. Now, in bedrooms where 
nobody is using, and there's a window there. Just utilize the drapes or the blinds, whatever window coverings you have. Hmm. That extra little bit over the top of the glass, no matter how energy efficient the windows are, actually helps keep some of the cold out. And when the sun actually beats on the window and is shining in, then you want to open it up to allow some of the sun's rays to give you some free heat. And then you do the reverse in the summertime. You really want to keep the sun out. Right. What about um, using smaller things like heat dishes or space heaters while turning the main thermostat down to save money? The downside to that is you still need to keep a minimum temperature in the house. Right. Just in case there's a power failure, at least then the pipes don't freeze. And in most homes, typical areas that's being used a lot is the kitchen, your living room, and a bedroom. Now, in a big house, I can see the bedrooms being, you know, where you have individual heat controls. They can be turned down, or you can just close the doors and close the heat register so you're not wasting energy to heat and cool the places that's not needed but you're still using some heat in majority of the average size home, I would say. However, let's say you want to sleep in a very warm room at night, you can close that door. And yes, then by all means, use a space heater just to boost the temperature in that room you're in and have the rest of the home on a slightly cooler temperature setting. Keeping in mind, um, space heaters are space heaters they're 100% electric resistance, so it's more expensive to do that. Just look at like a toaster oven, it's electric heating coils, or you know, the more traditional electric furnace is also heating coils with a fan blowing air around, or your baseboard heating essentially is heated plates and the heat just radiates into the air. So if at all possible, especially a heat pump. Let's talk about where to begin practically. Someone's listening to this, they've decided, you know what, I probably should have an audit done. How do you arrange that and are they expensive? So there are registered energy advisors that do that. There are also service organizations who are registered with Natural Resources Canada. Typically, the program will have connections or websites, um, links to those organizations that you can call and book an appointment with. Now, here in Ontario, the program is being managed by Enbridge. So for those outside of Ontario, is uh, you need to find whoever that manages the program for them. Now, here on Enbridge's website, they actually do list out the list of organizations with contact information that you can reach out to. As to the typical cost for the average size home, you're looking at $500 for the first pre-energy audit and the post-energy audit was around $250 and these are before tax. The federal incentive program rebates currently rebates up to $600 toward the audit fees once the participant have completed at least one qualifying upgrade. 
Interesting. So if they do take action on it, they save money. Yes, they do. So far, we've talked a lot about people who um, are lucky enough to own their homes or their apartments. Uh, what about renters? And before we get into the uh, audit and improvement talk with renters, what do renters need to know about what's required in their homes over the winter or over the hot months of the summer in terms of energy and heating and cooling? Now, are these renters paying for the heat themselves or are they are the landlords paying for them? Because I've seen right. <laughs> several different scenarios. You know, some renters are more conscientious about heating and cooling and some are not. I think it's best to conserve whenever and wherever you can. Right. What about apartments where the renter uh, is supposedly covered for heat and cooling, um, but it feels inadequate? What are your options? That I'm not sure of, with, um, especially apartment buildings where central heating, where they have mm. no um, control whatsoever over the settings. Right. But my understanding is those rentals are mandated by law to keep a minimum temperature for heat in the winter. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, I've been to some places where it's actually so warm in there. <laughs> some tenants actually had to open windows to let some fresh air in and some cool in because they can't turn the heat down. Oh, there are some old buildings that are crazy. I used to live in an apartment building that one side faced directly to where the sun set and the other side was blocked by other buildings. So you would have during the winter, one side that was so hot that people had their windows open and the other side who was like, turn up the central heating. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, you know, in those cases, because you have no control over the building envelope themselves, what you can only do is, what can I do to the window? I mean, it's you have the highest energy loss is through the piece of glass. Right. Can you install some thermal window coverings to minimize that cold? Can you throw a rug on the floor? Hmm. Yeah. What if somebody is renting, uh, whether or not they pay for their own heat and they want to get an audit done? Are they allowed to do it? Does the owner have to request it? What's that process like? Now, there are rebate programs that depends on the program themselves, whether or not they will provide rebates for rental properties or not. It really differs from province to province. Enbridge does provide rebates for single-family homes that are rentals, but the audit is arranged by the landlord not the renter. And so they have to request it and make sure that they go through with it. Yes. And, you know, it, this is a really, you know, one would hope that the tenant and the landlord have a good relationship. Right. <laughs> one would always hope that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they say, hey, you know, um, you heard that there is a program, a rebate program available, let's say, to top up the attic insulation or to replace the heating system. And really, you know, the furnace is really quite old and very inefficient. I'm really spending a lot of money right now to to heat my home. Right. Is it possible to do these improvements since there are rebates 
have a chat with the landlord, point out that there are rebates available. And not only that, it also increases the property value. And on top of that, you'll have a happy tenant. Right. What about, uh, and this is, I think, the last thing uh, I want to get at, for people who are either unable to or can't afford uh, to arrange an audit themselves, do you have a self-checklist? Do you have things that you tell someone um, when you're describing the process to you know, walk through their house and maybe do just to, to give them a sense of how well they'd perform in an audit? With self-checks, typically is, hmm, what can I do to, to be more comfortable here? If you have older windows, any kind of windows, just have some window coverings. If you own a home and you can actually do something to make some improvements, then look at the age of your existing heating system. If it's older, then be prepared that you might need to come up with a replacement at some point in time. And you could essentially, let's say for a gas furnace, high-efficiency gas furnace typically have an average useful life of about 15 years before it either needs to be repaired or it needs to leave the house and be replaced by something else better. If you just bought a house and you don't know, have no idea of the age the spec plate on the furnace is typically located inside the unit. It has a little door. You just open the door and look inside where it has the model and serial number of the unit. You can actually look it up online. Just Google up how do I figure out the age of my furnace using the serial number. And there's guidelines on who makes it and what number on a serial number tells you the approximate year it was manufactured, and that'll give you some idea. Now, all heating equipment, well, all forced air heating equipment have a filter, an air filter. That filter needs to be replaced every couple of months, two to three months, hmm. just so that, you know, it, it's the filter actually filters out the dust that's moving in through your air before it hits the furnace and so forth. If that filter is clogged, it reduces the efficiency of a furnace. You don't want that to happen. So those are some of the self-things that you can do and maintain it that way. Um, if you find that there's inconsistent heating, let's say your one part of the house is actually a lot colder than another part of the house, then is there actually an air leakage in the area? One way to find out is close all the other bedroom doors and turn on all the exhaust fan in the house and then feel from that room that's it's actually cold if there's actually an area where there's draft coming in and whereby you can get a tube of caulking from a hardware store and caulk around either the windows or the baseboards or, you know, is there a hole in the closet that you weren't aware of? Those kind of things. Violet, thank you so much for this. Uh, I hope there's some real practical advice in here that our listeners can use. And uh, I know I got to get an assessment done. So thank you. You are very welcome. If you're now feeling inspired to lower your energy bills, but you aren't, like many of us, in a spot to buy a heat pump or gut your home to re-insulate it, here's what you can do. 
First, and this makes me sound like the biggest dad of all time, but if you've got access to your home's thermostat, get in the habit of adjusting it. If you're going out for the day, or even just for a few hours, turn down the temperature by a couple of degrees so that that heat isn't constantly running while you're away. You can do the same before you head to bed and just rely on your duvet to make up for those two or so degrees. And in the morning, bring it back up to your resting temperature or, you know, just wear a sweater. And for those who can automate changes to their thermostats, especially if you've got a predictable bedtime or you know when you'll be out and back during the day, set those changes to automatically drop and pick back up. Every time you do that, it's a few cents in your pocket. Second, and this stuff is relevant to renters or anyone who doesn't have control over their thermostat, there are a few cost-effective changes you can make that you don't need a landlord's permission for. Getting drapes or other coverings for windows, especially if those windows are not energy efficient, can actually help keep the heat in. There are even thermal curtains that you can buy that are made to trap air between your windows and the rest of the house. Kind of makeshift insulation. And on the rare occasion we do get some winter sunshine, open those drapes wide, and take the free heat. Also, if you happen to have ceiling fans, you can change the direction of your fan so that it is rotating clockwise. Since heat rises, this will help push that rising warm air back down into your living space. If your floors aren't carpeted or already covered in decorative rugs, consider investing in some. Rugs can add an insulating layer to floors, which helps them retain heat. And this is especially worth the investment if you've got older wooden flooring. If you do happen to have a good relationship with your landlord and you think they would be able to get all this and maybe even more done for you, then save yourself the trouble and ask them to buy some rugs, change the drapes, keep the heat in. Tell them it'll save them money in the long run. Finally, if you're looking to make more substantial changes, long-term things that still stop short of gutting the house, you can consider upgrading your system to a heat pump. If not that, and you're looking for something substantial but cheaper, get a professional energy audit done on your home. I can tell you all about the tips and tricks from YouTube and everywhere else, but experts like Violet will be able to tell you exactly what you can do to make your place specifically warmer in the winter and cooler in the summer. If you're able to find the cash either for the heat pump or the audit, the federal government does offer rebates. For those audits alone, $600 is being offered towards that fee. And for the renters wanting an audit, make sure to mention the rebates when you make the pitch to your landlord. And again, listen, we know landlords sell them on the fact it is saving them money. I will say thank you one last time to Violet for taking us through a home energy audit and providing so many tips for renters and homeowners and me personally. And thank you to Matt for writing to us about the rising cost of heating our homes. By the time you hear this, winter will be almost over. So listen, you've got time to plan for the next one. If you would like to share your money problems like Matt did and get some advice from an expert like Violet, then of course we want to hear from you. We will find somebody who really gets it to talk with us. 
You can email us anytime. The address is hello at itepod.ca. And if you'd rather talk it out, you can leave us a voicemail at 416-935-5935. And please remember, if you want to actually hear back from us, you don't have to leave your real name, but we do need your real phone number or email address, or you're just lost to us forever. If you want more of In This Economy, we want to keep making it for you. In order to do that, we need your support. The best way to do that is by finding this show in your favorite podcast player and rating and reviewing it, telling everyone how much you like it and how relevant it is. If you are a social media person, we are on both Instagram and TikTok at In This Economy Pod. And finally, tell a friend about us. Tell a friend about us, especially if you think they're struggling with a money problem we can help with. If they're not struggling with a money problem we can help with, just tell them it's a good show. Listen, we read every email, we listen to every voicemail, we take your feedback seriously, and we want more of it, and we're always appreciative when we do hear from you. I am your host and your executive producer, Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This episode was written and produced by Ali Graham. Our showrunner is Stephanie Phillips. Sound design was done by Robin Edgar. Mary Jubrin is our digital editor. Diana Kay is our manager of business development. And together, that makes us the Frequency Podcast Network, a division of Rogers. Thanks once again for listening. We will talk to you next week on In This Economy. 